1: So I like for my entire life have really really struggled with making decisions, and I like can never like land on something. I always like evaluate every option and like you know go into these rabbit holes of just like pursuing and researching every single viable opportunity, and end up like delaying a decision or not making a decision or just kind of like getting forced into a decision decision that I don't really want to make. Mm-hmm. And I've always dealt with this, and so for Smarter Living, I've. I, I had always wanted to write about decision-making and why we fall in these holes. So just in, when I was doing research and reading the literature, I came across a lot of stuff that you had written, and then I came across FOMO, and I was like, oh my God, you have named this thing that has haunted me my entire life.
0: That's Tim Herrera. He's a smarter living columnist in the New York Times. I'm your host, Patrick McGuinness, and this is FOMO Sapiens, part of the HBR Presents Network. My name is Patrick McGinnis, and I'm the guy who invented the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out. Today, FOMO is an epidemic, and it's changing us so much that it sort of feels like we're evolving into a new species. But FOMO doesn't have to take over your life. You can find the power to choose what you actually want and the courage to miss out on the rest. I'll show you how right here on FOMO Sapiens. FOMO FOMO Welcome to FOMO Sapiens, the show where I interview people who are changing the world and ask them how they choose from among the many opportunities and options in their busy lives. And while this show may be called FOMO Sapiens, on this episode, we're going to talk about the other foe you need to know, and that is FOBO, or fear of a better option. When you have FOBO, you keep all of your options open, you struggle at making commitments, and you live in a world of maybes. You value optimization and option value above all else. I've never really understood why Fobo never became a thing. I actually invented it at the exact same time that I came up with FOMO. But while FOMO has gone on to become a word celebrity, Fobo has languished in obscurity. Languished, that is, until the summer of 2018, because last summer I was sitting at a restaurant during lunch and my phone basically blew up. All of a sudden, a bunch of people forwarded me a column from the New York Times, the Smarter Living column, and guess what? It was all about Phobo. And so that was the moment when Phobo stepped out of FOMO's shadow and made it into the pages of The Gray Lady. Seeing it in the pages of the Times, uh, but without any mention of its origin story, actually gave me a little FOMO, so I reached out to the author of the piece, and we ended up running an interview on the origins of FOMO and FOBO, and the dangers, and some potential solutions to FOBO itself. And so today, we are going to explore FOBO with somebody who has clearly been thinking about it as much as i have and that is with tim herrera who is the founding editor of smarter living at the new york times where he edits some report stories about living a better and more fulfilling life before joining the times he was a reporter and editor at the washington post and prior to that he worked at am new york and newsday and one more note before we get started you'll notice that we taped this interview right around the holidays when fomo and fobo are running especially strong all over the world but especially in new york city so that's why we're agonizing over our holiday party schedules, and it's also probably why we both sound like we're on a sugar high. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to FOMO Sapiens.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for being here, I like it's it, amazing. bringing energy.
1: This is great, I am so jazzed about FOBO. It's, it was so amazing to chat with you over the summer, just we randomly connected. I'm so hot on this, it's amazing.
0: Um, I, you know, I feel like it's really in the zeitgeist, but before we go to FOBO, yes, I wanna start with uh, the question I like to ask everybody is, you know. <laughs> We all feel a little FOMO sometimes. Yeah. So, what turns you into a FOMO sapien?
1: Oh boy. Um, you know, I like honestly, I feel like the older I've gotten, I feel FOMO so much less than I used to. Like, I really, really, really used to feel FOMO about so many things, like just like missing out on like friends' events or missing out on work things or like comparing yourself to like a peers and things like that and feeling like you're falling behind. But I don't know, like, I just feel like the older I've gotten, the more I've realized, like, A lot of that, like, doesn't really matter and, like, you know, I know you've written about this, but, like, finding out kind of, like, what you actually care about and, like, focusing on those things I feel like has been such a a great way for me personally to get around FOMO. And, like, I still feel it, obviously, about tons of things, but I think in the overall, you know, feeling of FOMO, I've noticed that I'm, like, getting a little more at peace with, like, JOMO.
0: Jomo, oh my goodness. I, we, we're going to come back to <laughs> we'll Jomo. We'll get to that one, I know. We're going to come back to Jomo because I have all <laughs> these feelings about Jomo. That's why. I. But I, I, I get you. Like, I think, I still, by the way, I tend to think maybe I've overcome my FOMO. And yeah. then something like, let me tell you what I did Saturday night. Right. I went to four different holiday parties. Oh, so like, totally. Wait. Clearly, that was all FOMO. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Boom. Yes. And I don't say goodbye anymore. I don't know if you do this. Like, I've been trying this new thing where I just sneak out the door. The
1: Irish exit. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Which, by the way, in Brazilian Portuguese, it's known as the exit. Oh, a saída francesa. Whoa! But uh, but whether it's French or Irish, that's a new strategy. I don't know if it's rude or if it's what, but that's the way that my phone was manifesting itself. You
1: know what? Can I tell you? So my Saturday. So I feel like this Saturday, like everyone you know in the world had their holiday party, on a birthday party, whatever. But what I did Saturday was I stayed at home and I ditched uh, four parties that I was supposed to go to. Felt kind of bad, but like that's something like five years ago I would have like never have done, never even thought about, but I had a nice quiet night in, I watched movies with my cats, I like read a little bit, and it was beautiful.
0: Okay, so I guess the takeaway here is that you truly have evolved and I haven't, so... (laughs)
1: Well, a very evolved FOMO sapient That's what I'm getting at. Yes. <laughs> okay. So,
0: so we, now that I know that you're you're beyond the FOMO, tell me how Fobo first landed on your desk. How did I end up getting 397 texts <laughs> that one afternoon? I guess it was in June.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Over of the summer. Yeah. 18. So I like for my entire life have really, really struggled with making decisions. And I like can never like land on something. I always like evaluate every option and like, you know, go into these rabbit holes of just like pursuing and researching every single viable opportunity and end up like delaying a decision or not making a decision or just kind of like getting forced into a decision that I don't really want to make. And I've always dealt with this. And so for Smarter Living, I've I, I had always wanted to write about decision making and why we fall in these holes. So just in when I was doing research and reading the literature, I came across a lot of stuff that you had written and then I came across Phobo and I was like, oh my God, you have named this thing that has haunted me my entire life. And it was such a revelation. I was like, oh my God, I'm not alone. This is just a thing that everyone deals with. Wow. And that was my first like experience with naming this thing that I like has been you know a monkey on my back for you know my entire life. I'm so curious. So you were just kind of googling around and it just sort of like, you found it. Is yeah, I that... found it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I guess I'm doing my job right. It... <laughs> Your SEO is tremendous. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you. The reason why I asked that question is because a couple FOMO has been around. Like right. FOMO's got a life of its own. Like it's like it grew yeah. up and went to college. It's got it's you know first starter <laughs> apartment in Brooklyn, whatever. FOMO, which yeah. I always felt was way more a problem I, I you know because it's this kind of thing that tends to as you mentioned FOMO goes down over time yeah. for most people. FOMO only ramps up as you have more totally. options, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And so I always thought it was like kind of amazing it didn't ever go anywhere. But at the same time, yeah. um, there was this one company that was like an appliances company in the Midwest that put it in one of their ads. They did these ads about FOBO. <laughs> and um, they called it Fear of Better Options. instead a fear of a better option. But anyway, it was a really funny ad. So I reached yeah. out to the CMO of that company and was like, this is cool, we should talk. And then the company went bankrupt. Oh, It was good. called like JJ Gregg or something like that. But anyway, that was it. And then, so I knew that it was like, had been at least somewhat discovered by somebody. Right. Right, but right. then when I saw it in the New York Times, pages of the New York Times, my eye yeah. was—it t- just threw me like a, a total curveball.
1: And it was it was kind of new to a lot of readers too. Like a lot of the re- reader responses that I got were people who were sort of in the same position that I was where they knew that they like had struggled with making decisions and, and had always kind of uh, you know fallen into these endless rabbit holes that don't ever really lead anywhere. So putting a name to that concept and that idea I think like just kind of knowing that one like it's a thing and it's not unique and two that there's like other people dealing with this and trying to figure out their own way. Like I think that's really comforting and that was a lot of the the feeling that I got in a lot of responses was like Okay, like it's good to know that other people are struggling with this. Like, I can kind of chill a little bit.
0: Yeah. So tell me, like, I imagine. I mean, you a lot of people read your column. Right? Yeah. I mean, These. It's a really. It's just. It's right front. You go into the New York Times. It's like the first thing you see. I mean, unless. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're me, anyway. And <laughs> so when you hear back, is it? Do you hear from people all over the world? Like, what are the what are the kind of the things that people like for that article? What What did you hear from people?
1: Yeah. I, like I really did hear. So that that article really kind of blew up. Um, and I ended up. I did hear from a lot of people around the world. Um, I did hear from uh, a a fair amount of uh, readers in Brazil um, because one of the other terms we had in there was FODA, uh, which is a profanity in Brazil, in Portuguese. It's the F word. (laughs) Um, But no, like, it's funny, like, a lot of times when I write about concepts or ideas that are like relatively new to like a general population, um, just because like I like I'm writing about it at the Times, there's the assumption that I'm sort of a de facto expert in it. And right. so this one is really funny because, you know, the whole conceit of the column was about decision making. And so the majority of the responses were people. Presenting scenarios and then asking me what decision they should make, and so wow. like stuff like all over the spectrum, like people who like wanted to know like what college they should go to, or like whether they should like move in with a significant other. Like I was I was revisiting some in preparation for this, and one person was uh, asking me to make the decision for them whether they should move to the U.S. And so I was like, I guys, like I'm kind of like new to this thing. Don't <laughs> I, that's too much pressure for me. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, people, you know, people just, like, want help making decisions because it's just so hard when you have so many options, and, um, it's funny, like you mentioned earlier about kind of FOMO ramping down as you kind of age, and, like, I feel like FOMO is the exact opposite because, at least in my experience, and this is something that that I talked with readers about, was... The older you get, the more cognizant you are of the uh, limited time you have left, and uh, how important it is to kind of devote your time to the things you care about. But so, kind of the corollary to that is like, am I devoting my time to the right things? And like, what are the other things I should be devoting my time to? And that's a whole other spiral of fobo that it's almost impossible to get out to because that's an that's existential fobo, which is a whole other category. Yes, and
0: and in fact, I had somebody tell me, you know, I've talked to lots of people, right, about how these deal with these things. I've been trying to figure out, at least expand my understanding. I had a woman tell me that her father uses this metric called quality time remaining, Mm. which is thinking about like, how much more time do I have? To live well, which I was just like, I gotta <laughs> well, I, tell you, I get like good, like good on you, right, you know, right, you're, right? You're like a hearty you know, you're probably like Northern European or something, but like that, I that's just like stress inducing for me,
1: yeah. Yeah, we, we gotta pull it back. Not to I'm not trying to go there tonight, <laughs> yeah. So, so,
0: so I, you know, as I said, think about that, it's it is it's interesting, and I, I'm curious, is have you tried? So, in the article that mm. we we did. Um, we talk about solutions for phobo. and yeah. one of the things that I talk about is asking the watch, mm-hmm. which is when you know, for those of you who who, who are listening, who haven't who haven't done this, is basically the idea that like I'm trying to decide, and I do this all the time, by the way, like. Chicken or fish? Yeah. Okay, like, yeah. I like them both. I don't know. It's like, oh my God, so much stress. Right, right, right. Um, and so I will say, okay, the right half of my watch is the chicken, the left is the fish. Mm-hmm. And I looked down at my watch, see where the, the second
1: hand is and choose. Yeah. Have you tried that? <laughs> I remember you telling me about that. It's so good. It's so good. I do love that. And I love kind of like turning these arbitrary decisions over to this kind of the universe because I feel like, A lot of these decisions are so low stakes. And, you know, like the delta between like an average decision you could make and the very best decision you could make in like these low stakes situations is basically nothing. So we stress over like chicken or fish for like half an hour when we're just hungry and we just want to eat something. And when we actually are eating that thing, we want to remember the struggle we have with the decision. So just make a decision. So like I'm all about like flipping a coin. The watch thing is amazing. Just like turning things over just like like whatever like it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme and it's just such low stakes like just make a decision and that was one of the things that in the article that I wrote about was the MFD yes uh, the mostly fine decision uh, which is kind of my approach to, you know, evaluating your options for a given decision and choosing the one that is, uh, has the minimum outcome that you would be okay with, the minimal yes. acceptable outcome. Yes. And, uh, like, that is something that like, I have definitely adopted in my own life and something that I, like, still advocate for people when, when I, you know, I'm talking about things like this. Because, um, again, like, the differences between, like, average decisions and incredible decisions for, the, for most things in life, is minimal, you know? Yes. Like, the, the time and energy you invest in stressing over a decision versus what you would gain by just making something that you're not 100% about, like, it's 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 you know it's no trade-off, it, it's, it's totally worth it. And then you free up the time. It's the thing, if you've, like, the average person makes 30,000 decisions
0: in a day. Yeah. If you're spending more than a millisecond deciding on, like, whether to add, like, whether it should be oat milk or have milk, by the way, every, like, <laughs> You live in New York City. like Oat milk is everywhere. It's like, and no you matter- know what?
1: I got swept up in it. I you're in love oat milk. <laughs> I'm all about it. You can oat milk. I, I reject its popularity. But, it's so But good. If, if you it's think so about, about these
0: things too much, you don't have room to think about like what's my purpose in life. Right. And right, right, right. I have this friend who I interviewed recently who is a um, really interesting woman. She um, She's a, a Harvard MBA mm-hmm. um, and did not... Go into the business world she's yeah. a relationship counselor and oh, works right. with you know people and I think she also went to Harvard Law and she's a very educated woman yeah and decided to choose what made her happiest mm-hmm. when she was doing this because she had done those things kind of you know probably because you know she felt this pressure
1: right, or, like, right, right. Yeah. and
0: all this stuff yeah and she says um, her name's Yael Melamed, and she says, I don't ask myself, is it good enough? I ask myself, is there enough good?
1: Mm. Which I thought was really, Whew. it's a great little heuristic that you yeah. can carry around with you. Yeah, 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 that's great, yeah. Yeah, I wrote an article uh, two or three weeks ago um, about uh, uh, our uh, cognitive attentional capacity. Um, which what? Is- <laughs> sorry?
0: sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's just, you know, about the the kind of ambient things in our brains that are taking up space that really shouldn't. And that article was focused on um, our cell phones and laptops and devices and how, even if we put them away, even if we turn them off, they're still kind of occupying this space in our brain that should be spent doing work or thinking about things you care about or whatever else. And I feel like decision decision making is one of those things that really can occupy this outside, or outsize uh, part of our attentional capacity and it's just so easy to get bogged down but it's also one of those things like a couple of decisions here and there can just free up so much of your attention to really focus on things that you actually do care about. Yes,
0: I totally agree. Yeah. And, and the other thing that you can do if you want to feel some relief from all this is try to embrace JOMO. So have you noticed, I, I'm curious if you know JOMO is everywhere right now. Like yeah. Jomo, seriously, the amount, by it's kind of like every, I've gotten so many inbounds of JOMO, JOMO, right, JOMO, right, right. JOMO, JOMO. Yeah. And so JOMO is joy of missing out. Mm-hmm. And it's been around for a while. In fact, the guy who invented it lives in New York. I'm trying to. Oh. Him now. So if you're listening, Emil Dash, <laughs> yes. I want I want I want you to come on the show. Yeah. But what what do you what, give me your what's your thought on Jomo?
1: I am extremely pro Jomo, and I feel like that's uh, like sort of the the. Flip side of the coin about FOMO, like, I feel like JOMO sort of increases as you age in a good way. Like, I think, like, you know, like, we're talking about our weekend plans. Like, you know, five years ago, if I were spending a night, you know, a Saturday night in, I'd you be know, like, oh, my God, like, what, is, what are all my friends up to? This, what, I'm just wasting my time here. But now, because I know that, like, I really appreciate getting rest and feeling rested and, you know, spending time with my cats and having time to be alone and kind of center myself, something that I know that I appreciate, and so the trade off between not going out, seeing people, but staying in and kind of treating myself, like to me, that's a no-brainer because I know that's what I care about, like I'll see those people again, but to have a free Saturday night, totally by yourself, just to like be with your own thoughts and recharge a little bit from the week, like that to me is like one of the most valuable things. Um, And you know, I think, again, as we get older, we realize the, the value of time and how it's slipping away, and, um, you know, I think, you know, time is better spent doing the things that you know you genuinely and sincerely love rather than things you feel like you should be doing or things that you're obligated to do. And I think, like, that's, like, a, a sort of symptom of FOMO is we're doing these things and sort of have an obligation. Or just to be like, we feel like we should be doing them. But, you know, I think taking a step back and realizing and being sincere with yourself about what you actually want to be doing and what you actually want to spend your time with like that's like the fomo cure i think yeah so
0: i here's my i've been thinking about jomo mm-hmm. because i i agree with that with everything you said i mm-hmm. think it's um you it's right like if you can get to a place where you can Observe what's happening. It's kind of like being detached, right? Like, you know, if you're if you're like really good at meditation or yeah. I guess, I don't know if being good at meditation is the right way to say it, but if you right, want to right. meditate. And you can just watch things pass by and you don't focus on them and you're detached from them. Yeah. Great. So for Jomo, I think it can work. There's two things that I, kind of caveats that I put on it. The mm-hmm. first is, you can only have Jomo if you know what the thing you're missing is. So like yeah. it's like if you've been to a thousand restaurants, nightclubs, or whatever, if you're right, right, like, right it's like, okay, I know what that is, like did it. Yeah. You know, yeah. got the t-shirt, like I'm good missing out today. <laughs> right, yeah. Whereas it's like, oh, you know, if it's something that's a little bit like you've never gotten a chance to do, I think is mm-hmm. a little tougher. Right, right, right. That's the A. Yeah. B is I think Jomo's great for like small things in life. It's like the you know, the Friday night in. Right. It's not so good about like um, I'm having joy of missing out on, you know, fulfilling my true destiny. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, totally. or, like, or like finding my soulmate, like nobody's like, right, Glad right. I didn't find my soulmate. I'm just, you know, like, <laughs> like, like maybe you, you may, you know, like, you know, like maybe you, you will, or you won't, but like, that's right. just not a Jomo inducing event. So, right. 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 So that's yep. how I think about it. So I think it's a good target, but yeah. with the re- realization that like in people, you know, everybody uses these terms. They like brag about, like, I've got so much Jomo yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, you know what? Like, just keep your jomo to yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, it's true. Like it is a sliding scale, and you know, I uh, I wrote a story last week, um, and I, I spoke with uh, Greg McCowan, who wrote one of my favorite books in the world, Essentialism, yeah. and you know, his whole thing, like his, his entire you know career, is about you know really finding the things that are core to yourself and core to your identity, and kind of shedding everything else. And I think that that is like such a, a like a revelation. And when I first read that book, I like was just my mind was blown, um, because it seems like such a simple like throwaway idea, but once you really dig into it and really start implementing it, like you really do see the value of like knowing who you are, knowing what you care about and being fine with like letting other things slide away. And I think that that is like that and 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 FOMO I think are so inherently tied together because once you sort of like realize what you're okay with missing out and what things that you would feel bad about missing out, like knowing the difference between those two again seems like such a casual throwaway idea, but really harnessing that knowledge to like direct your life and devote your energy and time to the things that you know are actually going to have a genuine impact rather than things you kind of do for the sake of doing them like I think that's like the holy grail and like obviously like, I'm not good at that like nobody's good at that but I think that like aspiring to that place is like I I think it's something that everybody should be like be working toward.
0: Yes, definitely and one thing we can do to work towards that is read Smarter Living so I was curious I, we were talking before um, <clears throat> before the interview that I, you know I read the New York Times every day I've been a subscriber <laughs> for many years. Great. Um, yeah, Keep reading. It's, well, it's just great, right? I, I just, I think it's we have so many choices in terms of news. And by the way, mm-hmm. if, it's not like you, if you don't want to pay for news, like you get tons of free news. But yeah. if you have a place that has like kind of consistently good content, it just adds a lot to your life. And you can, totally. instead of looking at 50 things, you can look at that. But I also get this feeling that the Smarter Living column always is like one step ahead of me. <laughs> it's like, you, put, do you know what I mean? You're like pointing the article that I should have that I didn't even know I needed that day. Right, that right, like, right, Oh my goodness. Like It's like, you know, it will be like the just something that I'm just, it sort of like hits me. How yeah. do you do that? Are you like looking at SEO? Like what,
1: what do you, what's your secret? So I get emails about that exact idea literally every day. And like honestly, like the most common email I get um, every Monday morning, because I, I, in the Smarter <laughs> Living newsletter, it comes out every Monday morning. Yes. And I always ask readers for feedback or ideas or I just invite them to chat or comment. And something I hear time after time, no matter what the topic is, I hear from from like literally hundreds of readers who are saying, "This is exactly what I needed to hear today." How did you know this is what I needed? Huh. And like I it, like every time I get one of those emails, like it warms my heart because like I think what what really resonates with readers about Smarter Living is that there's a real vulnerability to it and a real relatability. Um, so a lot of stuff you read in like service journalism or like self help type stuff, a lot of it comes from a place of Uh, having prescriptive, definitive answers from the leading world experts. And, you know, Smarter Living is kind of taking a a, a little different tack, which is uh, we're just kind of in this together, figuring out as we go, screwing up along the way, but just kind of trying our best. And that's really the the tone and the philosophy that that we built Smarter Living around. And I think it really resonates with readers to, like, know that, like, you know, like I have this, like, I I, I wrote a column about about this this summer that there's this running joke in, like, my circle of friends that, anytime I screw up, like I'm late or I waste money or I do something stupid, um, everyone automatically says like, oh, and you're the smarter living editor. And like, yeah, (laughs) like sure, it's an easy dunk, fine. But like, yeah, like, you know, I I think there's the, uh, the, you know, being vulnerable and acknowledging our faults and things we're bad at, um, I think just kind of opens up real paths to self-improvement, whatever form that takes. And so when I write these stories and get these emails from people who are like, this is exactly what I needed today, like, I'm like, oh, that's amazing because that's what we're going for. Like, I hope that every time I write something that is what you need that day, Like, that's exactly the emotion that we're going for and what we're trying to be a service for.
0: Now, do you ever get like any hate mail? I mean, there's a lot of crazy people on the internet. Like, so tell me about so, that.
1: So Smarter Living is very specifically designed so that we're not writing off the news, we don't write about politics, we don't cover the news of the day. However, the most controversial thing that we run, weirdly enough, I didn't know this was a controversial thing, well, to such to such a degree, is um I have a, a writer uh, named Jolie Kerr, who's a cleaning expert. And, yeah, she was in this week, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, and she writes pretty frequently, and a lot of times, you know, it's it's cleaning advice, you know, around specific themes or topics or ideas or whatever. And um, she'll usually give a product recommendation along with, like, how to actually clean a given mess. And, um, again, I knew this was controversial, but I didn't know to this degree. But the most hate mail I get across anything, anything that I run, anything one of my writers writes... Um, is about people who are really passionate about uh, non-chemical cleaning products. Oh, yes. They absolutely jump down my throat, want to get me fired, say that I'm unqualified for running these types of things. And this is Jolie's world. She deals with this all the time. Wow. But the first time she wrote something for me where we recommended products, I was totally taken aback. I like had to like step back because just the volume... It's it was overwhelming and like I you know, what are people gonna hate on me for like, oh that was a dumb like piece of advice? Like fine. But man, it's real intense and you'd be shocked at the just the viciousness in that world, man. It's crazy. Yeah, Yeah. because I guess these people I mean,
0: I I, like I think about she wrote an article about how to like clean your laptop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'd be like if you recommended you know if it wasn't anything but vinegar, like somehow you're gonna poison yourself and like you're like literally gonna kill millions of people. It's crazy. Not to dismiss people's concerns Well, you know, but there's a way to express yourself without being like
1: and angry. People really just jumped down your throat. I had no idea, but now I'm used to it. And like, you know, today, like we I don't think we ran anything, any product cracks today, but but yeah, like every time it's like, okay, well, got a brace for this, it's coming. Wow. Weird that cleaning is the most controversial topic, smart living covers. Yeah. Who would have I mean, thought? That is actually like
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean I guess really It's, it's wild. I, it, that's very it, – it, do you mostly – is it largely domestic? Is it global? Like what is your kind of – when you hear from people, are they from all over the It
1: place? really is all over the world. Like the Times in general is pursuing a global audience. Yeah. Um, so we try to write in a way that, that we're able to, to to reach readers around the world. But Smarter Living, um, you know, again, because we don't write off the news or write off uh, – you know, this is a day. Um, it's very kind of something for everybody. Yeah. And we try not to write for a specific – Uh, Geographic area or demographic something that anybody can take advice away from and so as a result We really do have readership all around the world that I hear from people all around the world Which is really really rewarding
0: that is amazing by the way if you do email Tim I'm curious about this. So I, you, you have like kind of an email filter that comes out yeah. that I've seen a couple people use mm-hmm. over the years, but not a lot of people use these. It's kind yeah. of like you get a, you get an email back and it says, listen, thank you for your email. Mm-hmm. Like I, if you need this, you check out this. If you need that, check out this. Yeah. I, you know, I read my emails, but I may not respond, but just know that I read that. You must get a high amount of email. Like, does that does that even work? Do you find that helpful? Have you ever thought about like outsourcing it? Like, yeah. how do you manage because email? email to me is my number one scourge in my life. I and now of course you add in text messages, WhatsApp, mm-hmm. all the social media. Like, it's a lot. Like, yeah. how, so how do you, well, like why did you do that? Does it work? What was your recommendation yeah. beyond that?
1: Oh my god! Uh, I mean, I hope you have like three hours because email <laughs> is all I ever want to talk about. So I am uh, like infamously and notoriously bad at email okay. and i i you know i don't like to do it but it's so central and core to my job that because i'm so bad at it that like you know occasionally happens like important things or missed a deadline or whatever just because i'm so bad at email and you know the, the main reason is that i just get such a volume that i can't keep up you know like i i, I was on a panel the other night talking about uh freelance pitching and i get like probably between like I don't know, like 100 and 300 freelance pitches a week. And so that's on top of like the work that actually I'm doing and that I, you know, from coworkers and all that. Uh, but so, so the auto-reply that you're talking about, um, I, I learned this trick from Adam Grant, who is an absolute genius, smartest person working in this space. But I uh, cold emailed him last year, just to, like say, hey, just a chat, like, you know, see what he's up to. see if he wants to, you know, do smart smarter or whatever. And I got this immediate auto-reply that's like, hey, thanks for your email. Know that I read it, but I can't respond to everybody. Here are five options for the five most common emails I get, and one was like, you know, if it's a media request, do this. If it's a you know booking, do this. Blah blah blah, and it just blew my mind because um, i had never thought about that weirdly. Um, and so we like I, we got lunch, and I asked him about it, and it it's just incredible. I, I set mine up. Earlier this month, because one of my resolutions for next year is to be better at email. And this is one of the ways that I'm trying to build structures in my life so that I can take decisions away and automate that part of it. And even in just a couple of weeks that I've had it running, it's been incredible. Like I don't have to worry about like, oh, did I email back that person? Or do I need to get back there? Or did I direct them to the right person? Because it's just like taking care of. Wow. And it's a decision I don't have to make anymore. And, you know, I, I set that up in conjunction with, you know, some filters and separate inboxes for emails that I know need urgent responses or whatever. But I've like totally like, hacking my own email productivity approach and it has been incredible and like i just want to like tell i've been tweeting about it non-stop for weeks and i think everybody should do it wow. i think like i think email is like a fundamentally bad and problematic product and i think it was built for a different internet and has not evolved with the current internet um and i think that we're all suffering because of that nobody likes email everyone no. study after study after, i'm writing a story about this but every study you look at Talks about like the cognitive decline that email brings and the lack of productivity that email causes, and how nobody likes it, nobody can get, keep up with it. Everyone hates it, and there has to be a better solution. But this is one of the ways that I'm trying to build a solution for myself to get around my own issues with email. It's been amazing. I like, I it's the, the one thing this month I'm like so so excited about. Do you it's know been this incredible. concept
0: of the wounded healer? Have you heard of this? Wounded healer. Okay, no. this is amazing. So it's the same woman Yael that I just told you about, Mohammed, yeah. she told me. Um, we had this long conversation about FOMO FOBO and all this other stuff because yep. I'm picking her brain. And she told me that Carl Jung came up with this concept of the wounded healer, which mm-hmm. is the best person to help somebody is the person who is just one step ahead in, that own, in their own healing. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah, you're yeah, the totally. wounded healing for email. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, it's funny because Adam Grant, I've not met Adam Grant, but yeah. when I, my first book came out, it was an entrepreneurship book. And a mm-hmm. student of his put me in touch with him. And he was so, he declined, he was like, listen, I'm too busy. Yeah. But he He's did it so in big. such a direct and nice way, right, and I was like, right. "You know what,
1: man? Yes, you
0: do you. I respect that. Like, I get you. Yes. Like, and it yeah. was just vis a vis the people, and I could name names that I'm not going to. But yeah. I, I, people that like are, you know, when I was you know promoting my book, and you somebody would be like, "Come on my podcast," and then they would like ghost you, and you're like, "Wait, you right. invited me on your show, <laughs> right, right. and now you're ghosting me," and it's like, and you feel yeah. so, and you, oh, I'm so busy. I'm, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. What? yeah. Nobody's that busy.
1: Totally, totally. It's it like, honestly, it's like changed my life, changed my approach to work. I mean, Ana Grand is just such a genius, but it's incredible. It's incredible. Wow, okay, yeah. well that's good. Yes. Um, now <laughs> so we can move on. I mean, now I that, that we got the it, email
0: hack, <laughs> um, I imagine people send you cool gadgets all the time to try and test, am, am I right or am I wrong?
1: So we aren't allowed to accept things like that. But they do send them to Wirecutter, which is a New York Times company, and they actually work directly with Smarter Living. That's our uh, product uh, review and recommendation site. Yes. it's amazing. Wirecutter.com. Check it out. Um, but so they handle all of the like gadget reviews and product recommendations. It's an amazing crew. Like I don't know if you read Wirecutter, but it launched like it launched like in two thousand eleven, and I've been reading it since then. But their whole thing is like they just dive super deep into like. One category, one product, and look at everything on the market, and then come up with one single. I need that. Yeah, it's incredible. Where, where like where has this been? Oh it's, my goodness! It's incredible. Like I don't buy anything without checking Wirecutter. Like even way before I worked with them, like it's just like an incredible site with incredible people. I think it's the greatest like review website like that was ever conceived. It's amazing. Wow. But they so they um it's funny they they uh just moved or are, are in the process of moving to a warehouse in uh, Long Island City. And it's just it's this huge office space because they need so much space to test all the gadgets and test everything. And so a couple of weeks ago, they invited a couple of folks on Sparter Living to come out to check out the space. But that day, they happened to be reviewing mattresses. So in the warehouse, they just had this like field of mattresses with like 20 or 30 mattresses just set up and people are just like filtering in all day just like laying down taking a little siesta just like hanging out it was incredible and like that's the process they just like bring in a ton of people look at everything it's incredible yeah but like how many companies are like reviewing 20 mattresses just
0: opening it up to the company that that is a great okay i was so i want to that's another see the recommendations are flowing now Yeah, yeah give me a gadget that everybody should have that maybe we don't even know we
1: need the so so Well, actually I'll give you two, okay. One is a very expensive one, one is a very cheap one. Uh, The very expensive one is, uh, I think wireless earbuds are an absolute game changer, and if you're like a commuter, I think like they're the biggest thing you can do for your general morning happiness. Like you're not you're not fumbling with cables. You're not like accidentally getting unplugged when they catch your cable on your jacket. I bought mine like over the summer, and like it's been an absolute game changer. Even you know just like the little Apple ones, or like upgrade, get like nice ones or whatever. But I think they're amazing, and I've recommended them so many times to so many people. Recommended them in Smarter Living. I think they're incredible and totally change the way you navigate the world. Totally. Um, so it's the expensive one, and then the cheap one well cheap ash is um this is another thing that i've recommended uh, like six times in smarter living is um tweezerman slant tips tweezers and they're just a pair of tweezers uh but they cost 17 to 20 dollars okay. uh which yes is expensive for a dumb little pair of tweezers but they're incredible, and it's one of those things that you didn't realize you needed and how bad you have it right now until you experience it. It's like watching a movie in four K when you've only you know seen like low HD or something. Like okay. a total like different experience. But so these little tweezers, seventeen bucks, you know, buy or whatever. Um, but it's just something you never knew you needed, and then once you have it, once you cross that bridge, you're like. I don't know how i lived before these. like oh my Incredible. god how did i prune
0: my bonsai like what <laughs>
1: it's amazing <laughs> yeah but i like set it out for like christmas gifts like i have oh. like three pairs of my house it's amazing and it seems like such a dumb little thing but the it's like one of those tiny little things that can have such huge impact because yeah. something you use regularly so having a really really nice thing it's amazing but the, the tweezer slant tip tweezers
0: and pro tip on the um on the wireless earphone, so I, yeah. I have AirPods, mm-hmm. and I have. Um, I was actually just was on a flight. I fell asleep on a flight from Amman, Jordan to Cairo. Uh-huh. It fell out of my ear. I woke up. I was very out of it. Yeah. Went to through customs. Realized that I had lost one of them. Oh no! Now, now I found out uh, going forward, you can actually use Find My iPhone to find your lost. What? I know. Now it was just late crazy. For me. This was like right. not gonna happen. Yeah. And I, I went to the Apple Store. They give you another one for mm. I guess seventy five dollars. Yeah, yeah. is, You know, it's not the worst thing in the world but right. know going forward that if you lose yeah. it you can amazing. actually use I my
1: i have iPad. no idea that is that is an amazing tip yeah it's I like mean, well, I smart living next week isn't that's that great. crazy yeah put it in there <laughs> it's as long as, <laughs> yeah. but i do want
0: attribution <laughs> <Yeah>. that's,
1: <laughs> attribution, yes, that's exactly. important you know it's uh, that's amazing i love that
0: fear of losing my uh,
1: <laughs> right, my AirPod. FOMA, Fal- um, <laughs>
0: all right. Um, so, Tim, this is the show about finding the power to choose what you actually want in business and life, and finding the courage to miss out on the rest. Mm-hmm. As a man who spends his life liberating us from <laughs> our day-to-day
1: difficulties, That's my job description—that's correct. What do you, what, what's your, you know, what is the, what's the key to being decisive? So, so uh, kind of taking back what we were saying earlier about, um, you know, being able to free yourself of FOMA by knowing who you are and what's important to you. Um, you know, getting back to that. Book *Essentialism* by Greg McGowan and this is just top of mind because I was just talking with him last week. But two things that he advocates and that he kind of reiterated when we we're talking um, are two things that I have found really, really useful in my life, and something that I've written a lot about and, and try to tell people when I can. Um, so, one is trying to project a conversation with yourself in the future around a given topic or a given idea or a given state of life, like where you want to be. And so. So for me, like, what that means is trying to, to – so let's say, like, we're looking, like, five years advanced. Like, what are the things you want to accomplish in five years? And, like, that's, like, you know, one of those, like, five-year plan, like, general things that we all kind of, like, know in the abstract. But, um, but there, were, there, there was a, a, a handful of studies that I wrote about earlier this year that looked at um, the impact it can have um, on your decision-making now when you actually put in genuine cognitive effort – To imagine what your life will be like in x years or at x place and so rather than like writing down like oh in five years i want to like have written a book and like have a new job and get a raise like rather than do that like think about the lifestyle and the life that you want in five years rather than specific goals but what are your life what's the life status that you want and kind of work backward and um one of the, the most recent time I wrote about this was as it relates to financial decisions because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of studies that say people are better at saving long term when they imagine what life they want to have rather than a specific dollar amount or a specific you know, 401k amount or whatever. And they found that when people imagine what kind of life they want to have rather than the amount of money they want to have, they're much, much better at saving for the long term. And so I think really, like, it's, it's kind of a silly exercise, but, like, actually, like, trying to have a conversation with yourself five years in, in, in the future and, and really putting your place or, you know, trying to step in those shoes um, can really have, like, a, a very profound impact. And um, it's something that I've really had a lot of success with, um, and I do that a lot. Um, and the other thing is um, uh, two or three weeks ago I wrote about why we um, – Kind of start things that we never finish. You know, we pick up projects and you know leave them halfway done or kind of lose interest. And um, you know, one of the kind of primary reasons we do that is because we uh, severely underestimate the time and energy commitment that things are going to take. And so this is another thing that I spoke with Greg about. Um, his kind of rule of thumb uh, is that anytime he's evaluating a new project or idea and deciding whether he wants to take it on, he'll uh, lay out whatever he thinks is the most accurate time investment that that'll take and then he multiplies it by three and then he bases a decision on the product of that and again it's one of those things that like sounds dumb like that sounds like overkill and he said when he first learned about it he thought the same thing that like oh sure like maybe like a 50 percent increase like that's reasonable but multiplying it by three and he said once he started doing that it proved 100 percent correct and it actually like changed the way that he evaluates options and decisions and wow. you know i think that that just you know, getting back to being realistic with what our expectations are and what the things we want to invest our time in, that's one thing. But then really being honest about the actual time it's going to take rather than the time that we think it's going to take. And I struggle with that all the time. Like, I'm a, a very bad procrastinator. I'm always running late, all that stuff. But, you know, I think being more realistic about the time investment that things will take rather than the kind of emotional investment where we kind of want to feel or we want to get out of it can actually lead to a lot more practical and realistic decision.
0: That's super interesting. You know, yeah. it's funny because I've always, whenever I do to-do lists, mm-hmm. I always include time as one of the, on the right column. Yeah. So that I can add up how much time it's going to take. Right, so right, right, I I don't triple it, but I've always been like, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, that's a, I think that's a really good way to think about prioritization as yeah.
1: well. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Okay, yeah.
0: so. Lots of good stuff here. Um, I could keep you all day, but obviously <laughs> great, yeah. you, have, you have, you know, I, I want to have you to have your Jomo from, <laughs> right, right. from my interview. I, I have
1: to go see my cats after this, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, 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 the twee, there's some tweezing that needs to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, It's my night today.
1: That's right. <laughs>
0: so tell tell everybody who wants to follow you um, and, and continue learning where they should go to to find out more about you and to follow you.
1: Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash tim herrera H-E-R-R-E-R-A. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, uh, handle is Tim underscore Herrera. Um, you can find me at the time, just Google New York times, Tim Herrera, all my stuff is there. Um, shoot me an email, Tim at nytimes.com. You'll get my auto reply, but I'll read your email. Um, but yeah, shoot me know. I love interacting with readers. Love talking to people. Love hearing new ideas and how people are implementing things. Please like, yeah, just totally reach out. Love to meet new people. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. FOMO.
0: And now it's time for the faux moment of the show. This is the time where I talk about FOMO and its role in pop culture or tell you about something that's giving me FOMO. But because this week's show was all about FOBO, I am rebranding this portion to the FOBOMENT of the show. And I found some interesting stats actually LinkedIn found that phobo is a huge problem in the workforce. In fact, 68% of workers have phobo when they think about what might be out there for them outside of their current job. And they actually use the word phobo in the press release. So thanks, LinkedIn, I appreciate it. Uh, so if you have these feelings, and it sounds like most people do, don't be afraid to look outside, find what else is out there, and stop worrying about the phobo and actually get into action. FOMO. If you have an idea for the FOMO moment of the week, or if you have a question, reach out to me at let's connect at or send me a tweet at pjmcginnis. You can also take the official FOMO Sapiens diagnostic at patrickmcginnis.comslash FOMO quiz and find out if you're a FOMO Sapiens or a Phobosapiens. FOMO, FOMO Sapiens is part of the HBR Presents FOMO. Network. The show is produced by AW360 and recorded FOMO. in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to subscribe, rate it, and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at patrickmcginnis.com. You can also take the official FOMO diagnostic at patrickmcginnis.com slash FOMO quiz to find out if you're a FOMO sapiens.